Hi everyone and welcome to the Raw Show with Michael McDonnell and I have a very special guest. I've got Mark Mawinney with us today. So Mark, thank you for being a guest on the show. Thanks for having me, Mike. Mark is a lifelong entrepreneur who's on a mission to help coaches build successful businesses. He's, he's achieved this with his coaching programs, his podcast, Natural Born Coaches, Facebook group, The Coaching Jungle, and his exclusive print newsletter, The Secret Coach Club. He frequently makes media appearances and is a contributor for entrepreneur.com. So, Mark, I thought we'd start with, with your background. So, would you be able to share with me and our listeners where you were born and what it was like for you growing up? Sure. I was born, uh, I, I live on the East coast of Canada. So I was born in a small little fishing village called Mesa's Bay, which has, Oh, I don't know, 500 people in it or whatever. Beautiful little spot on the water, but uh, not where I saw myself growing up. So I moved into the city uh, when I was um, 18 years old, but or actually 19 years old. So I grew up uh, playing on the beach and playing in the woods and running around on many acres and enjoying a, a nice country life and relaxing life. And where I'm at now is in the city with oh, 140,000 people in the surrounding area. But I grew up in a much different spot. Right. So it, it was a massive shift then from... So, so, so you moved when you were around 19. So that, that's quite an important quite an important time in terms of in terms of growing up and being an adult and things what was it like making that shift uh well i'd always gone into the the quote big city this isn't anything like london or anything like that when i say the city <laughs> um <laughs> i i grew up about half an hour outside the city so we constantly were in there and i ended up uh, going to school junior high school uh, so when I was um, 13 years old, I started going to school in there and eventually moved there in my second year of university. So it's not like I was never a country bumpkin, never in the city. I was actually there quite a bit. But uh, I'll be honest, um, growing up in the uh, rural kind of um, that waterfront community was really nice. But it's also limiting as you get older, you know, when you want to do things when you're in school and you want to play sports and uh, you want to go to dances and chase girls and do all that stuff as a teenager and you're living out in the country, it definitely makes things a little more difficult. So I'm very happy where I'm at now. I'm in a city called Moncton, which is here on the East coast of Canada. And like I said, there's 140 some thousand people here, which is a really nice size, not too big, not too small, very nice city. Right. So what, what led up to you deciding to, to help coaches so this is kind of going in with the assumption that you you started off as as a coach yourself having clients and then and then doing that that sort of thing what was it like in terms of being a coach and then making the decision to to help other coaches yeah well my background's in real estate so I did real estate starting when I was 21 years old up until my early 30s you know I did it for about a decade and I got into coaching early 2014. And when I first started coaching, I said, I'm going to be coach for entrepreneurs, which is about as general as you can get. I don't recommend anyone go that route to keep something that broad because it was just way too general. And what I discovered, though, as I went along uh, in that first year, I had several clients who were bricks and mortar type, you know, Joe's widgets, um, more traditional businesses. And then I had two of my clients who were coaches and I by far preferred working with the coaches. 
not to knock the bricks and mortar businesses, but I just, I resonated really well with the coaches. I enjoyed helping them with their uh, packages their pricing, you know, setting up all that stuff. I just, I really look forward to those calls on those days with the coaches as opposed to, like I said, Joe from Joe's widgets. So I decided at one point where, you know what, I really like work with coaches. I'm going to focus just on this niche and anyone else who comes to me that isn't a coach I refer them off to a business coach I know that works in their industry. All right. So it was, it was simply a, a personal preference just from, from experience with, with those types of people. Then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You got to go with your gut, I guess. And you're never going to have it all figured out coming out of the gate. You know, I think um, a lot of people put too much pressure on themselves to have everything worked out on day one. You're never going to have that perfect business plan that doesn't change your best thing to do is just to get out there to thrash around. You're going to make some mistakes and you're going to get beat up a little bit and stuff, but that's all part of the entrepreneur's journey. So just get out there and do it. And, and you know, you keep at it. You're going to find out what works for you, what doesn't, and hopefully you do more of what works for you than what doesn't. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I know, I know from, from my own experience in terms of dealing with adversity, because I've, I've got health conditions and things, which, which means that although I don't experience, you know, like we all, we often talk about things like trauma and like the, mm. like the, the massive bounce back where in, in my case, it, a lot of it was just little chips away, little chips away at the armor, I guess, on a, on a daily basis. So when, when you mentioned adversity, have you, have you experienced anything yourself? Well, um, not health wise, knock on wood. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. But uh, the adversity that I experienced is more on the business side of it. I had, uh, like I mentioned, about a decade of success in real estate where I had no hiccups, no bumps in the road, did very well. And I started thinking, wow, this whole business thing's really easy. <laughs> you know, I was working a lot of hours, don't get me wrong. I was really working hard, but no bumps in the road. And then 2009 hit and I went through a business closure. So I had a real estate brokerage, had 100 agents and employees. I had several offices and a few locations and uh, bang, everything collapsed. And that was obviously a huge jolt for me. And I went through not one, but two business closures because 2012, I closed my other real estate business. I said, I'm just done with real estate. You know, I'm, I'm fed up. So I um, had a period of time there. I say I was in the wilderness, not literally in the wilderness, but in a way to speak, I, I was not sure what I was going to do. And I was helped by a couple different coaches and mentors. And that's what got me exposed to the whole world of coaching. And that's what led to me getting into coaching in oh, early 2014. All right. So was was there was there a moment when you decided that you were going to commit to it then, or was it more was it more just more of a natural thing, or did you did you dive in? What was the the experience like? I just dove in. I'm the type of guy, even when it comes to back in real estate, when I was 21 years old, wrapping up university. It's not like I grew up dreaming to be in real estate as a baby saying, oh, I wish I was, you know, as a kid, I wish I was, I'd want to get into real estate. Not at all. I just decided one day, tail end of university, hey, I want to make a lot of money. I'll be honest. And I said, I can do it through real estate. So I'm going to get into real estate. Made a call, met with a broker, got everything set up to take my license and bang, I'm in real estate shortly after. And it was the same way with coaching. I tend to not overthink things. I like to just jump in. I'm like a typical entrepreneur. They say entrepreneurs jump off a cliff and then they try to build a plane on the way down. Hopefully they can build that plane before you hit the ground. And, <laughs> luck and luckily I did. But I always um, have a bias towards action. 
And I'm really not the type to, I hate procrastinating. I hate feeling like I'm stuck. I don't like over planning and, you know, staying still and stuff. I would rather get out there and do stuff. And like I said, you're going to make mistakes, but that's a way that you learn. And you know what? It, it's burnt me at times. It's hurt me. But overall, that bias towards actions helped me a lot more than it's hurt me. Right. So how, how has that, has that served you in terms of moving forward? So if you imagine someone listening now that probably is overthinking, probably is in that, you know, they're always in that constant planning stage. There, there are a lot of people I'd imagine that they're in that position. What, what helped you to sort of cultivate that, that idea of, of action first? I don't know if there's anything that, uh, that I did. Maybe I was just born that way. I, I don't know because my family, I don't come from a family of entrepreneurs. You know, my parents are, you know, they had more traditional jobs and um, we had a typical middle class upbringing. So it's not like um, I was raised from birth to be an entrepreneur. So I really don't know. I've always had sort of um, the vision of being, uh, of doing something big, I guess. So I remember back when I was in, you know, junior high school, grade eight, grade nine, dreaming of being the prime minister of Canada. Now my French sucks. So that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> uh, <in Canada, laughs> no. You got to be bilingual to be prime minister really. But um, I, I can remember being in grade eight, grade nine, and just being totally immersed in political magazines. We got a magazine in Canada called McLean's. I would race to the mailbox every day when it came. And then I would just totally devour it. So I was probably the only kid in my junior high school who knew who the Canadian finance minister was and the whole cabinet and all that other stuff. And um, what happened is I eventually, I I still love politics. I follow it and I definitely have the political bug, just not to follow it, you know, as a career or anything like that. But I can remember being a kid and dreaming of being prime minister, which tells me I always thought kind of bigger than, I had a big dreams and big goals. And I think that that translated over to coaching as well. I have no interest in having a nice little coaching business that pays the bills and, you know, keeps me busy or whatever. I'm like, no, man, I want to do big things. You know, I, you look at people like Tony Robbins and all these, um, these great figures in personal development. I'm like, no, I want to be like that. So uh, that, that's the way that I've always been. And I always have to be like that because this is probably a bad thing in some ways. I'm never satisfied when I hit a goal. I always push the goal line back <laughs> and I say, no, I, I got to do more and got to keep doing more and more and more, which pushes me. But then I got to be careful because I also have to stop and smell the roses and celebrate those successes as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd imagine that there's that kind of shift in that there are people out there that, that might need to maybe practice to find that, that, that bigger goal and to practice being motivated and to, to really be conscious and be aware of that. But you seem to be the other way. Like you've got no problem being motivated. You've got no problem like pushing the limits and seeing what you can do. You're kind of the other way that you've got to learn to, to slow down and things. So yes. yeah, I think yeah. over motivation can be an issue and that's something that I struggle with. So perfect example, Grant Cardone who wrote the 10 X rule and I actually have this 10X planner sitting right in front of me. <laughs> so um, I'm not an affiliate, by the way, of, of Grant Cardone's, but I like his planner. Well, um, I listen to a lot of Grant Cardone's stuff, read his books and things. And I have to be careful, though, because 
I can go overboard with that stuff. Grant Cardone's very, you know, go, go, go work, you know, every single minute of the day and every hour of the week. And, you know, when you're in the shower, you should be closing deals, you know, and just all this stuff. And if I uh, listen to or read too much of Grant's stuff, I'll go too far the other way. And that there's that over motivation. So I am getting better now at learning to take time off, you know, where I have to say, you know what, it's a Saturday morning. I'm going to relax and I'm going to watch that TV show that I recorded that I really want to watch, or I'm going to read a book or I'm going to go out for a walk or a drive or whatever. And I think that that's important for entrepreneurs to, to do as well. So I'm getting better at it. I got a ways to go though. Right. So what, what does that look like then? So, so, so when you actually do have that over motivation, what sort of things are you are you leaning towards? I mean, is it, is it all mental in terms of like, Oh, I'm going to do this, 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 and this, or is it actually like you do actually end up doing those bigger things as well? I mean, what's, what's yeah. that like? I think it, it, the, those bad habits got ingrained during my real estate days because in real estate, I guess you guys call them estate agents, I think over in, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, in real estate, you constantly have a cell phone up to your ear. You're on call basically 24 seven. When people want to go look at houses, you, you know, you're going out to show houses. Um, you're doing open houses on Sundays. I, I found a really hard transition from real estate into coaching because real estate, my phone was ringing constantly. I had that issue with, you know, phantom ringing that people have with their cell phones where they think their phone's buzzing, but it's not. And that's what I had from real estate. Uh, so a lot of my bad habits and workaholism, I think, started back in the real estate days. What it looks like now with coaching is, um, I'll give you a perfect example. If I'm trying to relax and watch um, a TV show that I want to watch, you know, The Walking Dead, I like watching that show. So I'll record it on Sunday nights. And if it's Thursday evening and I'm like, oh, I should watch that recording of The Walking Dead, the little voice in my head, the entrepreneurial voice says, oh, Mark, you should be working on a chapter of the book that you're working on, you know, that I'm writing, or you should be working towards the program that you're putting out in the new year, or you should be doing this, you could be doing that. And it's really dangerous thinking because if you use that line of thought, you could be working 168 hours a week and never have any time off and you wouldn't get any rest or relaxation. So you wouldn't be able to recharge and you wouldn't be as sharp, but that's what it is. It's that little voice saying, Oh no, you got to push harder. Uh, look at so-and-so uh, would Tony Robbins be taking a break here now? Like he he's working hard. You can work hard too. And that's inside my mind. I can, I recognize that it's wrong. I'm working on it, but I think a lot of entrepreneurs probably struggle with that as well. Yeah. I mean, it- it, it seems it seems to be a concern that a lot of people have, but you seem to be, I mean, would you say that you were on top of it or would you say sometimes you just need that little bit of a reminder every now and again? Well, I guess the first step to solving your problems, recognizing that you have a problem and admitting it. So um, I can admit that it is an issue. Uh, overall, I would rather be this way than under motivated. Um, I think that there's a lot of people that go the other way where they would just lay on the couch and they can't seem to get up to do anything. If I had to choose between the two, I'd choose to be over motivated. Um, but yeah, it's something I recognize and, and I'm working on. And I could say compared to my twenties in real estate, I'm much better now. You know, when you're in your twenties, you, you tend to look at things differently. You're full of piss and vinegar. You, it's, it's all for me in my 20s. It was like money, money, money. I want to have, you know, all this stuff by the time I'm, you know, 40 years old and, and all that. And I think now that I'm much more balanced. Probably part of it's I have a nine-year-old son 
And anyone who has a child knows that that changes your life and definitely changes your priorities. So I think, think that that's a big uh, reason that I'm changing as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So h- how does this play into the idea of running the coaching business then? So you, you seem to have had a lot go on. What was it like, well, let's, let's just say within the first six or 12 months of you running your business, what was your, your day like? Did you have to do certain things within the business? Sort of paint a picture for, for our listeners. Well, the first year I was doing everything. So I was a chief cook and bottle washer, I guess you could say. So a good example is when I launched my podcast. I launched my podcast November 2014, Natural Born Coaches. And for the first, it was a daily show for the first 300 episodes. And I was editing my show. I have a twin brother who now edits my show. He is an editing business. So around episode 300, he started that business. And I very, very gladly handed it over to him because I hate editing. I'd rather get a root canal. And I said, here you go, knock yourself out. And he enjoys it. So it worked out well. But um, in that first year, I was doing everything for my coaching business. And especially in the first six months, if you worked out how much I was making per hour, it was probably third world wages. But the reason I was able to keep working and keep pushing was I had already gone through that when I was 21 years old, starting in real estate back then. And I, same thing for the first six months in real estate, it worked my tail off and things weren't coming in, but I knew that I was priming the pump and it was going to come in. And sure enough with uh, coaching as well, right, probably around the six month mark, things started to really get rolling. And, you know, here we are over four years later. So uh, as an entrepreneur, you have to have that ability to keep pushing, even though you're not seeing results at the moment, just know that work that you're doing now and the seeds that you're planting will come to fruition. could be three months, six months, 12 months down the road. Right. So what, what advice would you, you give to someone that was in that position there? So if you imagine, imagine someone's where, where you were, what, what advice did you wish that you had? Uh, well, what did Winston Churchill say when you're going through hell, keep going? <laughs> yeah. I, I would say before you even get into business, you have to realize that, hey, this is hard. I think that there's a lot of people nowadays jumping into business who frankly, shouldn't be entrepreneurs. And that's um, not me trying to be mean or whatever. It's just being true. I would say that roughly 20% of people who identify themselves as, say, online entrepreneurs are actual entrepreneurs and 80% are entrepreneurs that are kind of just um, playing around in it and they're just not pushing really hard or treating it seriously. So back in the old days, if you're starting a business, I say the old days, back in the 1980s, 1990s even, you had to lease office space, you had to buy office equipment, hire staff, you had to buy radio advertising, newspaper advertising, you had to shell out a lot of money, right? And that kept a lot of people out of the whole business thing because the barrier to entry was so high. Nowadays, you spend 10 bucks at GoDaddy and you buy a domain and you're, hey, I'm an entrepreneur, which I think overall is great. I love that more people can do it. However, it leads to a lot of people getting into this that just shouldn't be into it. Because once they hit the first little bit of adversity, they get flustered and uh, they're not willing to work at it. And you can just tell that they probably should be getting a nine to five job and nothing wrong with that. But um, I, I just think that people getting into it will be better served if they recognize, hey, business is hard and it's not going to be easy. It's going to take some time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it seems seems like the, the barrier for entry allows a different type of person to 
to, to enter the world, so so to speak. You know, if if barrier for entry is really high, then you know there's, there's a certain there's a certain level of commitment. There's certain characteristics that 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 person needs to have just before they just before they start. I guess. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, um, most people online, their their heart's in the right place. I, and I say online entrepreneurs because that's, you know, who I'm dealing with. But um, their heart's in the right place. And I think they do want to help people, but they, they're just not prepared for the level of commitment that it requires. And you know all about it from launching a podcast. I'm sure that, it, you know, it's a lot of work. It's not easy. And same thing with podcasting. A lot of people jump in and think, oh, I'll launch a podcast and I'll have a rush of clients beating down my door. And it doesn't work that way. You're going to have late nights, early mornings. You're going to have frustrating times when you want to quit. And that's just, that's the life of an entrepreneur. And I personally love it that it's like that because it makes sure that the people who become successful really earn it. If it was easy, it wouldn't be fun and not nearly as fun. So I actually like that it's hard to be successful at this. Yeah, so how important would you say it was to, I guess, to, to have this level of understanding that it is hard, that you are going to come up against a lot of challenges and a lot of adversity? How important do you think that that, that, that message is that people actually understand it? Well, I was really lucky that I went through everything I went through in real estate with those two business closures. Now, I wouldn't have felt so at the time. I would have said, you're crazy, but they um, gave me an incredible gift for a couple of reasons. First of all, it really gave me a thick skin. Uh, back, especially 2009, I just got ripped apart by the local media, uh, former employees, former friends, strangers, just you would swear that I was Hitler, right? For a while there, oh my God, you know, um, this entrepreneur closed his business and, you know, how dare he and, he, and all this stuff. Uh, but it actually worked out well because it uh, nowadays, if I have a stranger sending me or a critic or tr uh, hater or troll from Boise, Idaho, sends me something negative from something I put on social media, it's not a big deal because I've dealt with front page newspaper stories attacking me. So, you know, that doesn't bother me too much. So that's one thing with those adversities actually helped me that way. Plus, uh, nowadays, when things get tough and you hit a rough spot, I look back to the time right after I got out of real estate. I was going crazy because I was used to going 100 miles an hour. And then all of a sudden, bang, I had nothing to do. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm used to working so many hours and pushing towards a goal. And now I just don't have an outlet for my energy. So now I'm grateful for coaching, even when things are a little bit uh, busy and I'm feeling a little overwhelmed. I would rather have it that way than the way I, I was immediately after the business closure in real estate. Yeah, it, it seems seems to me just just hearing you, you talk, Mark, and obviously I, I shared a little bit about about me having the the health conditions and things from a fairly young age. It seems like it's it's the training that we've had, or the or the conditioning that we've had that's actually benefited us in the future. I mean, what what do you think about this this idea of people that? aren't in the same boat as us you know people that haven't actually had any any hardships and are not understanding that it's, it is a part of, of life i guess you know we do come up against those sorts of things so what what what, what are your thoughts on the, the the contrast between people that have had that experience and and people that mm. haven't well i think if you can turn your adversity into a lesson 
which you've done with uh, the health side of it, me with business adversity, then um, you, you could be, uh, you could have a very special gift there that you can always draw from. If you can get through some of the stuff that you've got through some of the stuff that I got through, then things that you tackle nowadays aren't really big deals. It's just, it's all how you frame it. And there's just pretty much anything that happens in your life can be flipped around into a positive one way or another. There's that silver lining in there. You can turn a quote weakness into a strength. And um, I'm reading a book at the moment, a great book called field of fear and do it anyways by Dr. Susan Jeffers. And she talks about that too. She talks about having that mindset and being able to tackle adversity and tackle challenges and she argues that you're actually better off going out there and trying new things and stuff. When it comes to fear, that's how you get rid of it. But she, it, I guess you can never get rid of fear. You can minimize it, but fear will always be there. But you're going to do better if you get out there and do different things. The fear is not going to have that power. The worst thing you could do is just stay back and not do anything at all. Then the fear grows and you're just stuck there. You're um, not doing anything and you're worse off. It's terrible for your mental health or for your health as well. So just get out there and do it. Yeah. Did, did you have any, because the, the book that you mentioned, that The Feel of Fear and Do It Anyway, that was, funnily enough, that was a book that I, I had on my shelf for, for years. I must have had a phase of, of wanting to improve myself when I was younger. But you know when you buy books and just don't actually get around yeah. to reading them? And um, I actually realized that I had these books and I actually sat down to read them. And it is, it is very, it's very enlightening, I guess, or very... I don't know, it just takes the weight off your shoulders when you realise that all you've got to do is, is act even though the fear is there. But as you said, it, it is about how you frame it. It is about how you look at what you're experiencing. I mean, do you have any suggestions for, for how to, to maybe shift that? So for someone that's thinking that the adversity is, is it for them, you know, that's, that's, mm. that, that's pretty much it. That's the roadblock. I'm not going to get through. Do you have any potential suggestions for someone that might want to reframe what they're experiencing? Well, um, it's funny you mentioned that about that book, because I've been hearing about the, uh, Susan Jaffer's book for years uh, from my podcast, Gast had mentioned it. And, and I always thought, oh, I'm going to read that one day. But I always had other books that were ahead of it. And, and um, I'm glad that I finally got around to reading it. I will mention a book that if you want, if you're an entrepreneur that wants to do better with getting through adversity and change your mindset, probably the, my favorite book, the best one I've ever read is called Thick Face, Black Heart. And that's by Chin Ning Chu. So thick face, black heart. I think that should be required reading for any entrepreneurs. But uh, the best way to get around it is, we touched on it now, is to fill your brain with good stuff. Whether it's reading, I'm really big on audio books. So I have Audible. That When I'm at the gym or if I'm getting groceries, I'm driving anywhere, I got an aud a good audio book playing in my ears. And it's just incredible. If I'm having a kind of an off day, I just listen to something like that and it can get my mood swung around really quickly. So society's negative. 99% of society is negative and you have to fill your brain with good stuff like that. Cause if you rely on your friends or coworkers or family or whatever, you're going to be negative just like them. So you got to look elsewhere to feed the brain with good stuff. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that, that's, that's definitely a book I'm going to add to my wish list. Um, mm. And do you have any other things you mentioned like filling your head with with good stuff and obviously books are books are a great way 
<laughs> I'm going to say podcasts are a great way, just because that's what we're doing now. But uh, do you have any any other things that, that people could do to just to fill their head with a bit more positivity? Because I know the, the the news and things is definitely more negative than positive. So, yeah, a, a, have you got any suggestions? Oh boy. Um... I think connecting with like-minded people, this is what I love about podcasts is that it gets you connected with people that you otherwise wouldn't have spoken to. So I found that with my show, as we're recording this, we've done 530 some episodes of natural born coaches. There's just some incredible people there who've actually become friends started with a quick Skype call. We did an interview. Some of them I chat with once a month, you know, we keep up and, and stuff and my energy level goes to the roof. When I'm talking to certain people Another example of that and the effect of being around the right people, I went down to social media marketing world 2017. I was a speaker at that event in San Diego and I had a week there with just some amazing people doing big things in business. When I got back home to Atlanta, Canada, I was just bouncing off the walls. I had been up for 22 hours straight when I got home because we flew out a couple hours away. It was the airport that we flew out of and had to then drive home after the plane came in. And even though I was up for 22 hours and had been on planes and driving all over the place and stuff, I couldn't get to sleep. I was just wired. And I had all these ideas just bursting with energy. That's because of the people that I spent that whole week with and the people I was around, you know, Jim Rohn talks about the five people that you're around the most or the, the most important people. And you have to choose those people carefully. So that would be the other suggestion. Make sure there's no negative people in your life. Be ruthless, cut them out. Don't feel bad about it. If they're dragging you down, life's too short and get connected with good, like-minded, positive people. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it was, it's amazing what, what can happen when, even if you just find one person, you know, just find one person that you really get along with, you really relate to, you might even be doing something similar to yourself, but someone that, that makes you, you feel more positive and so, mm. someone that, as you say, you know, just, just fills you with, with energy, you know, and it's, um, yeah, it's amazing how, how quick your caffeine can reduce when, when people fill you with energy other than caffeine. Yeah. So yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's an amazing it's an amazing experience to to at least go out and try for sure yeah exactly so to talk us through what what's next for you so obviously the the coaching business is is doing well you said that you are inclined to go for the the bigger things so what's next for mark Good question. <laughs> I just launched my solo podcast. I'm really excited about that. I'm a sucker for punishment. I, I still keep in the other podcasts going, but I also have a solo show now called the Mark Mawinney show. I got really creative with the name and went way out in left field. Um, yeah. You know, my, my goal is uh, um, anyone who, who's a fan of Elvis Presley would know the name um, Sam Phillips and Sam Phillips was a person who basically discovered Elvis Presley. So Elvis was an unknown uh, geek, a kind of strange looking kid with acne and a strange haircut and a weird name who went into um, Sun Records in Memphis, Tennessee back in 1953 or 54 uh, to cut a record for his mother. Basically, uh, he wanted to record a song for her. And Sam Phillips saw something in Elvis Presley, gave him a chance and look what happened with Elvis, you know, king of rock and roll. And that's my goal is to be the Sam Phillips of the coaching industry. So I really get excited finding people who would make amazing coaches, incredible, but they just need somebody to help guide them and get them going. And each of those people could impact hundreds, 
thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of lives, you know, down the road. It's a huge ripple effect. So that's what's exciting for me. I want to be the Sam Phillips of the coaching industry. And that's what drives me every day. All right. Awesome. So, I mean, if, if, if you, if you find a coach that, or even just a person that wants to be a coach, that's got similar dreams and ambitions to yourself, I can imagine that having, <clears throat> that having quite a huge ripple effect Definitely. I mean, imagine, imagine finding someone that wants to impact as many people as you, and then you actually manage to help them. So that's yeah, yeah multiplies. Yeah, 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 definitely. So you, you mentioned things like the ripple effect. So are there any and there any key things that that you see that have caused a ripple effect for you in terms of making sure that you are successful? So are there any? Let's go for like a, a top three, three things that make the most difference for for you in in your business. Well, um, there's a few practices I do that I think any entrepreneur should do. Uh, one of them is journaling. I'm, I've been a big journaler now for years. I do it almost every day. I'll miss the odd day. But um, I love journaling. It's led to a lot of breakthroughs. It's that process of self-reflection that's very powerful. And not many people do that. They don't take the time to stop and actually get their thoughts down on paper. So journaling would be one of those practices. Uh, the other one that I think is important is that um, constant growth every single day, make sure you're learning something. It doesn't have to be business related. Maybe it's a new language. It's a, a new skill, something like that. My brother got into years ago playing guitar. Now he plays guitar in his off hours and stuff and he loves it, just refreshes him and, and he's addicted to it. It doesn't have to be business related, but grow. And then I think the third thing would be connect with new people every day too. Don't stay stuck in your little shell. Um, make sure that you're reaching out, you're meeting all sorts of people because you never know when those good ideas are going to come or where they're going to come from. So I think that that's very important as well. All right, excellent. So what what sort of benefits did you did you derive from those things? So you mentioned the the self reflecting from the the journal and things, but how have the how have the other two? I mean, have you noticed there's um, a big a big shift in well, yeah, a, a big shift in the business when, when you start doing those kinds of things or, or not. Yeah, definitely. Like I mentioned before, when I went away to speak at that conference, uh, that was worth its weight in gold. Just the opportunity, the connections of people that I met, and then that motivation. So I've seen it. Um, I can tell when, when I have a period of time where I'm just swamped and especially in the winters in Canada, this is, I don't know how much snow you get there. Um, but here we can get some beautiful three seasons of the year, but can be a little rough January and February. And there's been times where there's been 10 feet of snow and you're stuck in the house for a couple of days. <laughs> and right, uh, wow. know, yeah, well, it, you know, it hasn't been too bad the last few winters, but a couple of winters ago, we had a, it looked like Hoth from star Wars, you know, the empire strikes back. <laughs> Yeah, with the snow walkers, um, and I notice that my energy level it can dip a bit if I'm not connecting with people, and if I'm, you know, stuck working away in the house, and I just don't, I'm not getting out to, you know, to connect with other people. So I think that that's very important that uh, you have to continually be connecting with others. And entrepreneurs can feel a little bit like um, Tom Hanks in the movie Castaway. I remember he's stuck on the island with the volleyball, Wilson. That's yeah, how yeah. entrepreneurs can feel that way too, online entrepreneurs, because 
you're just, um, you're in your house. You could be working in your pajamas. You're working on your dining room table. You got bowl of Cheerios and stuff all over the place. It doesn't <laughs> always feel like a real business because you're not opening up a storefront and going in every day and seeing people directly. So um, I notice definitely a change. If I, if I have to make sure that I'm connected with people, that gives me energy. Yeah, I mean, for for me, one of the things that, that works for me, because as you say, you know, you do often feel like you are in your own little bubble and it, it, is, it is that type of environment. I do find that just getting outside as well can, can help for me. So just even if it's just a, a five, ten minute walk, obviously, in, in the winter yeah. with your your Star Wars looking snow, um, you probably <laughs> wouldn't do that. But huh. um, yeah, just, just being outside and being amongst just the outdoors and nature and things can play a, a big part in, mm. in my energy levels as well. Definitely. It's, um, it's kind of, I'm a, a fan of, besides Star Wars, I'm a fan of Superman. And of course, Superman draws his energy from the sun. And he does, yeah. the, the tricky thing, unless you're in California or some beautiful spot in those winter months, you're getting less sun, you know, here right now, as we're recording this, it gets dark around four forty-five in the afternoon. Um, it's going to start brightening up in not too long down the road. But when it's pitch black by five o'clock, that can play head games with you. You got to definitely do stuff to combat that because if not, you're going to get into a funk. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm, I'm just looking outside now when it's starting to get dark now. And it, it, in the UK, it's almost four o'clock in, in mm. the afternoon. So it's it's starting to get that way now. So yeah, it does it does play does play a part. I mean, we, we talk about like um, the seasonal dis- disorder mm. where there's the lack of sunlight and things does, does play a part. And I, I actually think, I think everyone has it to greater and lesser degrees because obviously we, we do get, we do get a lot of our energy from the sun. And as that, as that gets less and less, we do need to, as you say, we do need to combat it. Have you got anything that, that people could do to combat it? So my, my first thought is, is exercise. That's yeah. the, the first thing that, that really gets in, in my head the moment we start talking about this. But do you have any, any other suggestions for increasing energy when you, know, you can't do the, the obvious, which is get outside and, and experience the sun? Yeah, you know, um, up until a couple months ago, I was inconsistent with my gym. I had, I was one of those people had a gym membership, but it was underused. (laughs) So um, I got back into it uh, probably three months ago, and I'm going five days a week, sometimes six days a week. And that's been huge uh, for me for energy. I I knew in my head that it was important because my brother's big in the gym and everybody says uh, exercise, how important it is. But I was always so busy working, right, and with my business and stuff, and I was able to push it off. Well, I'm not a spring chicken anymore. You know, I'm 39 years old, and I realized, hey, I need to take this serious. I'm not in my 20s anymore. Metabolism slows down as you're getting older. I'm getting close to that dreaded 4-0, so I need to get my act together with the gym. Uh, so I've been really consistent with it, and that makes a big difference. Um, I think the other thing that you could do is is just have fun. So good example is um, I've got a PlayStation 4 and for a long time I it's been collecting dust I rarely get a chance to play it what I end up doing is my little guy I have a nine-year-old son he and I will play some Star Wars on there Star Wars Battlefront 2 and we'll kill stormtroopers and swing lightsabers around and all that other stuff and we have a ball we're laughing we're you know we're, we're it's a great bonding thing for father and son as well uh, that way so 
find some hobbies that you can do preferably with loved ones would be uh, great, but don't, don't take things too seriously. So I could have looked at before and thought, Oh my God, I'm a serious entrepreneur, business owner. I, I don't have time to play PlayStation four at night or whatever. You need to do stuff like that. You got to relax and loosen up. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's amazing how, how doing something non-business related can, can actually impact the business. So yeah, it's amazing when, when you start thinking about things in that way. So do you have any, any parting words for our listeners? So we are, we are nearing the end now, Mark. So do you have any parting words, any suggestions, any bits of advice, any bits of gold that you've, you've came across that you think could benefit our listeners? Mm. One of the best pieces of advice I've gotten is don't compare yourself to others and especially not to people who are further along the path. So take, for example, if you're a coach and you've been at it two years, don't be looking at someone that's been at it a decade and thinking, Oh my God, they're killing it. And I'm not anywhere near that. And putting yourself in that negative frame, I'd say never don't compare yourself to anybody, but if you have to compare yourself to anyone, look at someone who's been at it two years, like you've been, as opposed to someone who's been at it for a decade And it's really difficult to do that in the online space because with social media nowadays, people are throwing their wins or their pretend wins. Some people are full of it and they're posting on social media like their lives are perfect. And it's easy to feel kind of feel down when you look at that, if you're looking at people who are, who've been at it longer. So be very careful when it comes to comparison online, keep those horse blinders on, do your own thing. Don't worry about other people. Excellent, Mark. So before we get to our, our last question, um, how, how would you like people to connect with you? Do you have any, uh, it could be a website, it could be social media, whatever the case is. If someone wanted to find out more about you, where would they go? Uh, best spot would be to go to naturalborncoaches.com. That's got all the social media links and it's got my podcast and all that stuff. Uh, the other place is uh, my Facebook group. Thank you for being a member of it. It's called The Coaching Jungle. If you go to thecoachingjungle.com, thecoachingjungle.com, it'll forward you right to the Facebook group. And I'm in there a lot. We've got a great group of coaches right now. We're close to 10,000 as we're recording this. And just uh, lots of golden nuggets and advice being shared there every day. So thecoachingjungle.com. All right, Mark. Well, the last question is something that I'll, I'll ask all my guests. I will definitely join the, the coaching jungle. I've heard of it, but I've literally just searched for it now and I'm not a member. So I'm ah, sorry. To... I thought you were in there. So I know we're no. connected personally on Facebook. So that must be where I'm seeing your stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. just about to join it now. So you'll, you'll have me in there as well. Um, so the, the last question then Mark is it's a bit of a curveball. People give serious answers and fun answers as well. And it is, what do you want the world to know about you that it doesn't already know? Well, that's a good question. One thing a lot of people don't know about me is I'm a a twin. (laughs) I have an identical twin brother, Matt, who I mentioned, that does my podcast. Now, we we sound identical. He could hop on this interview and you probably wouldn't know that we changed spots now we look we look more like brothers now as we're older i've got the got the beard and our hair is different stuff like that but our voice sounds very similar so um, that's something not a lot of people know and it's confused some people because some people stumble across him on say facebook or whatever and his name's similar matt mawinney instead of mark mawinney 
and they're thrown for a loop. They're like, they're what's going on here? You know? And then I have to explain <laughs> to them, no, that's my twin brother. So uh, that, that would be something not a lot of people know. All right, Mark. Well, thanks for, for making the time to be a, a guest on the show. I'm sure we'll, we'll keep in touch and uh, yeah. See you soon. Yeah. Thanks Mike.